Well, hey there. Thanks so much for joining us on the Hope Fellowship Church podcast. If these messages have blessed your life, go ahead and subscribe by clicking the subscribe button inside the podcast app. And if your life has been impacted by this ministry, would you consider supporting it financially so that we can continue to love God, love people, and prove it? You can give by visiting hope615.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you are blessed through today's message. All right. So here we are, week number one, March Madness. I'm going to need something in a second. Uh, Carson, could you, this little contraption on the floor, would you just set it on the edge of the stage for me? Uh, March Madness, overcoming the everyday upset. And somebody already asked me this morning, what's the deal? Why are you doing March Madness? I don't even get it. Why is that a sermon series? We started thinking that, well, our church meets in a gym. There's that. And then this time of the year, a lot of people get very excited about the NCAA basketball tournament. And we thought, wow, well, there's a popcorn machine in the concession stand. We could do that. We, can, we could do some halftime fun. And we thought this would be great. But the really important part of it is what's the content going to be? And that's the most important part of why we come to church as we open God's Word. Week one today, the madness of marriage. Yes, sometimes marriage is very hard. Uh, Two weeks from, uh, one week from today, I'm sorry, the madness of money. Most of us were stressed out with money at times. Then week three, the madness of margin. Most of us are entirely too busy. We've got too many things going on in our lives. And then week number four, the madness of media which is gonna be a huge week. Now, here's what I also know. Uh, Rutherford County, many of you go to Rutherford County schools, you go on spring break in one week, and everybody said, ah, okay. Now, the reality is this. Most of us are not going anywhere. Dun, 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 you know, I'm sorry. But since most of us are going to be in town over spring break, I want to just ask you, would you make a commitment? If you're in town, if you're not going out of town, join us for all four weeks of this series. It's going to be really, really good. So let's just dive in. Today I'm talking about marriage. Listen to me. Right now, some of you are saying, well, I'm not married. Why does this even matter to me? It matters because the principles I'm going to talk to you about today really relate to your life, whether you're married or whether you are single. Now, I will say this too. Some of you are new to Hope Fellowship Church. You do not really know me at all, and you might say to yourself, since I really don't know this guy, why should I trust him to talk about marriage? And that's a very fair question. Let me just say this. It is by the grace of Almighty God that this May, my wife Shauna and I will be able to celebrate 30 years of marriage. That's awesome, okay? Now, here's what's rather unique as well. In addition to that, I started thinking this week just about my family heritage. My mom and dad, my parents, were married for 40 years leading up to my dad passing away at the age of 58. So so here, my mom and dad, 40 years together. I saw that, you know, all the way through. Shauna's mom and dad, both still alive, have been married for 55 years. So now think about this. In our world today, Here again, it is the grace of Almighty God that allows my wife and I to have the marriage we have and both sides of our families, both sets of parents having shown us what that looks like. It is rare. It is a blessing. I never want to take it for granted. And all I'm saying, if you're new here and you don't know me, 
God, because of that, the Lord has allowed me to, to observe a lot of good things about marriage, some hard things about it, and, and to actually experience a lot of what marriage is all about. So that's where we're going today. Uh, I want to be really practical. I realize if you're here today, if you are married, even if you're not married, one day most likely you will be. I want to be practical. So I'm going to share with you, if you're a note taker, six steps today that will help safeguard your marriage. I will say this, this sermon, a couple of points are a bit PG-13. Parents, I want you to think about that because I'm going to talk about some, so the intimacy piece of marriage and also uh, one of the things that really devastates a lot of marriage, pornography. So I'm putting that out there. Uh, parents, I just want you to know uh, what to expect as we go forward from here today. <coughs> it was the popcorn. <coughs> Note to self. Probably not a good idea to eat a whole bag of popcorn 10 minutes before you preach. <clears throat> I will say this too. I've been, this is the most exciting part about the day. In case I see someone not listening today, here's what's going to happen. I got that. I'm kind of technical on you. Wake up. Okay, I promise I won't. I better not promise. I might do that a lot. <laughs> I want to do this super fast, super fast. You're going to have to help me out. Who in this room has been married at least 40 years or longer? <coughs> Stand I can't see you. Stand up. Come on. Who's been married 45 years or longer? Stay standing. 45 or longer. Anybody 45? I, I, does anybody? Okay. Anybody fit, uh, four, 48 years or longer? Nan, how many, Nancy. 40, anybody more than 49 years? Now, come here, Nancy. Hurry as fast as you can. Come on. <clears throat> now, will you take this to Nancy? I want you and your precious husband to go have a meal on us. Congratulations. All right. Who's been married less than one year? Stand up. Married less than one year. Stand up. How many months? How many months? Huh? Eight months. How many months? Eight. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Kyle, Kyle's serving in, in the kids' ministry. Go have a meal. How many people here are single and ready to mingle? Stand up. Stand up. If you are single, ready to mingle, and would like to come get this gift card, just come on. All right, hold on. That's, that's to Dairy Queen. I want you to get all your single friends and go buy everybody a blizzard, okay? Go buy them a blizzard. All right. So you can't preach on marriage and leave, leave out your single friends. That is not cool. All right. All right. Hold. Here's, here's where we're going to start. Paper towel. Oh, I spilled water? All right. It's okay. Uh, all I hear is D-Ray's laughing. That's, that's, all, that's all I can hear. Here's what I'm going to ask you to acknowledge. Um, when we're talking about, thank you, Amy, for doing that. When we're talking about marriage, there, there's no way to, 
to put this lightly, but I, I'm going to ask, would you agree with me that today in culture today, that there just are tons of distractions keeping most married people from having a marriage that real, really honors the Lord? Would you agree with me? Yes or no? Yes. There's, there's so many distractions. The Bible talks about that a whole lot, and I'm going to share quite a bit of scripture today. The scripture will speak to you. Take down these notes. Look with me at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and 9. Acknowledging there are all kinds of obstacles in this world today, we know that Satan does not want our marriages to thrive and to honor the Lord. Look at this text. Therefore, God's word says, be alert and of sober mind. Why? Because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. He's looking for someone to devour. And scripture says, so you are to resist him and do what? Stand firm in your faith. Stand firm in your faith. Every single one of us in this room, all of us, we have areas of weakness in our lives. I promise you there's something in your life, there's something in my life. And some of you in this room, you may be blind to that weakness related to your relationship or Maybe you're just living life and you're believing that certain behaviors you have, certain activity in your life, maybe you're believing, I don't, I don't think I have to change any of that because you believe it's probably not going to impact my marriage. I've been getting away with this for a while. I think it's going to be okay. You say that to yourself, but the reality is most of us, most all of us know when we're making poor decisions that are bad for our relationships. So what needs to happen? What needs to happen so you can safeguard your marriage? In no specific order, here's where you would take down notes. Number one, you need to, in your marriage, resist the comparison trap. I don't know if you know what the comparison trap is, but I'll explain it to you like this. You are comparing your marriage to someone else's marriage. You compare your spouse to someone else's spouse. You see pictures of other couples on Instagram or on Facebook, and in your mind, you don't probably talk about this, but you begin to get a little bit jealous. So you start to ask the question to yourself, why does, why does my marriage just seem to be so average? Why isn't my marriage better? What's going on here? I don't, I don't understand why my marriage is not that great. It's the comparison trap. Let me tell you what the Bible would say to you related to that. Look at James chapter 3, verse 16. For where you have envy, this is what's happening when you're comparing, you're, you're envying. Where you have envy, where you have this selfish ambition, Scripture says it's going to bring disorder and every single evil practice. Please hear my heart. If you're, if you're doing this, if you find yourself comparing your marriage to someone else's, stop. Just, just stop. Hear me. You need to stop expecting your marriage to be like someone else's marriage. That's not God's plan anyway. You need to have the courage instead to live out your love between you and your spouse 
based on, listen to me, what Scripture teaches. And then when you as a husband and wife look at what Scripture teaches, you take that text and you apply it in your lives, in your marriage, in a way that works for the two of you. Now, is that easy? No. You have to be willing to work on it. It's not just going to magically happen overnight. Where do you start? Listen, you start with Scripture, not Instagram. You start with Scripture, not what you see on social media. And then together with your spouse, what do you do? Man, let's, let's go on a date. Let's find some time. Let's talk to one another about what God's Word says about marriage. And then the two of you dialogue about that, and you begin to grow, and you begin to work on it. And there's no more comparing your relationship to other people. You're looking at your relationship through the lens of Scripture. Number one, resist the comparison trap. Number two, how to safeguard your marriage. Resist the desire to put your spouse and your children before God. I'm just going to tell you what Scripture says. Number one, priority number one. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. All of us, we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. It's priority number one. That's where we begin. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, we're going to be committed to loving Almighty God. That is priority number one. Then, let me talk now to those of you who are married people. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, first to the husbands. Husbands, now that, we, now that we know our first priority is to love God, we are to, if you're married, love your wives. Well, how do you do that? You love your wife just like Christ loved the church. Well, how did he do that? Well, he gave himself up for her. Christ went to the cross. He gave his life for the church. Continue. It's all this is Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5, 21 and 22. I think sometimes in Bible studies, we make assumptions about what Scripture says. We immediately go to this submission verse. Ladies, you got to submit. Well, look at the first part of the verse. Submit to one another. Submit to one another. Husbands to wives, wives to husbands. Why? Out of reverence for Christ, he's your first priority. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands, just as you do to the Lord. And then to summarize what all this is about, when you go to the last verse of Ephesians 5, verse 33, I know we did that game so fast. Jared gave away a book. He gave away a book called Love and Respect. It's a, it's a powerful book. The entire book is written about marriage based on this one Bible verse. Look at it. Ephesians 5, 33. However... Men first. Each one of you also must, there it is, love your wife as you love yourself. And the wife, here it comes, must respect, bless you, her husband. Love and respect. Love and respect. They talk about something in the book called the crazy cycle. I really won't go into it. Most of you in this room are on the crazy cycle. Can I get a witness? Here's what the Bible says it's supposed to look like. When the wife respects the husband, when that husband receives that respect from his wife, it causes him to want to love his wife. And then when the wife receives that love 
from her husband, it causes her to want to respect her husband even more. That's, that's the opposite of the crazy cycle. That's God's plan. Love and respect. So remember now, hold on, I haven't got to the kids yet. My relationship with my Lord, Almighty God, is my first priority, number one. My relationship with my spouse is number two. God is my one, my spouse is my two. Then, after God, according to the Bible, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, after my relationship with my Lord, my relationship with my wife, then comes the focus on my children. Ephesians 6, 4 says we are to raise them up, our children, in the training and in the instruction of the Lord. Now, this happens a lot. It happens a lot. Many of you have put your kids first. You have. Kids, listen to me, kids are important. Yes, I love my children. But your children are not as important as your marriage. If you really want to love your children, then you must begin to invest in your marriage and prioritize your marriage. Here's why. Listen to me. Do you realize our children, listen to me, our children are a temporary assignment, but our marriage, my marriage to Shauna, it is a lifetime commitment. Huge difference. My children are a temporary assignment. My marriage to my wife is a lifetime commitment. How do we safeguard our marriage? We've got to prioritize God, my spouse, then my family. Number three, I'm only going to talk about this briefly. Resist spending too much time looking at screens. Some of you in the room, you're addicted to social media. Maybe you are a gamer. Maybe you binge watch TV like there is no tomorrow. I don't know what it is for you. I'm not going to spend time on this because week four, the whole sermon is going to be about this, about the madness of media. Here's what I want you to think about, though. Just play this out in your mind in, in 30 seconds. If you, were to, if you were to just do an accounting of one week of your life, and, and you were to add up all the minutes over that one week of screen time. Add them all up, seven days. Then you do another chart and you add up all the minutes during the week of one-on-one, face-to-face type conversation with your spouse. You're connecting with them. You're talking to them. How would those turn out? I know what happens in my living room way too often. We'll be sitting there. TV's going. We're not even watching it. We're just sitting here. I mean, you know, too much. Entirely too much of that. Go to a restaurant. Begin to pay attention to the people sitting around you at other tables. We'll talk about this a lot in week four. How to safeguard your marriage. Truth number four. It's not going to shock anybody. I want to encourage you to resist pornography. We rarely talk about this in church, but there is an epidemic in our nation, and it is absolutely devastating to marriages. Almost everyone in this room, almost everyone in this room has the ability to access pornography within seconds. And that means 
It's easier than it's ever been to, to look at it and to fantasize and to lust after someone, watch this, other than your spouse. When you decide to do that, when you decide to make the choice to look at pornography, it is cultivating inside you and, and pursuing these mental and physical pleasures with someone other than your spouse. You know this, but you need to remember, God's plan was that those pleasures were intended to flourish between you and your spouse, or if you're single, between you and your future spouse. What does the Bible say, Kent? Oh, a lot. We'll look at, we'll look at one text. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 through 20. God's word says that we are to flee from this, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who's in you, whom you have received from God? You're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. When you look at pornography, you are training your mind, you're training your body to need increasingly different types of experiences and bodies that are not what your spouse will be able to provide for you, especially when you get to be 40, 50, 60 years old. In marriage, you need to be able to trust that your spouse knows. They know that they know and they can say, I am yours. I, I am what you have and I am everything you need. This is the way God created marriage to be. So if you're struggling with this, so many are struggling. I, I'm not here to guilt trip you. you. You know how devastating this is. You already know the shame. You know the frustration. So let me give you some more truth that you can rely on. Because you can and you will find freedom from pornography in and through, listen to me, Jesus Christ, if you will hold on to these promises. I'm going to give you three promises in Scripture. The first one, I wish we had time to do the whole study of this book. But if you look at the book of Romans chapter 6, the subheading over most people's Bibles will say, dead to sin and alive to Christ. Dead to sin... Start thinking about this, alive to Christ. Now, before I read some of this text, just, just go with me here. Many of you who are believers, if you've been in church a while, you understand that when a person comes to know Christ as the Savior and the Lord of their life, the Bible says you become a, a new creation. Are you with me? You're a new creation. You, you, you find freedom in, in being a newly created person. And Scripture would say, the old you is gone, and a new you has now been created. And so, knowing that, look with me at what Romans chapter 6, verses 6 and 7 says. 6 and 7. For we know that our old self, the way we used to live, was crucified with Him, with Jesus so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. 
That we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, take a time out and just think about this with me for one moment. When you die a physical death, track with me. When you die a physical death, I want you to think about what happens. When you physically die, can, can your brain think anymore? No. If you have a craving, can your body satisfy that craving? No. If there's something you want to do, can you, can you continue to do that? No. No, you're dead. And consider what this verse is saying about what has happened in and through Christ. Only in and through Jesus Christ, only with Jesus, because of what happened at the cross. Your old ways of being ruled by sin are done away with. You're no longer a slave to sin. So, so knowing that, if you're a believer and, and you know this and you've acknowledged this text, when you choose pornography, it, it means basically you're giving up on this promise. So what do I do? Well, I would encourage you to memorize this promise. Look at it. Sing it. I mean, we've sang that song in this church a lot. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I am a child of God. Look at what Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 would say to encourage us. We talk about wanting to be free in Jesus Christ. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. God's word tells us we, we're not doomed to this. We're not enslaved to this. We are not to be held hostage to pornography. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. It is God's will. What is his will? We all want to ask that question. God, what's your will for my life? That you should be sanctified. We talked about that recently. Sanctification. It means day by day, you're becoming more and more and more like Jesus Christ. God's will, he wants you to be more like him and that you should avoid sexual immorality. Now, while we're on this subject, all of this normally happens in secrecy. Private passwords, private emails, private logins, private credit card accounts. I tell you that because those are warning signs. And I realize that some of you in this room perhaps have been struggling with this for a long time. You may be able to turn to God's word or you may be here this morning and you've fought this battle and you feel like, man, I feel like I take you know, two steps forward and three steps back. Here's what I want you to hear. As a church, we are committed to helping you in this journey. If you would say, bro, I've read the scriptures, I just feel like I cannot get out of this wicked cycle we have a partnership with an incredible Christian counseling agency. We, you say, Ken, I can't afford it. We, we will pay for it. We will pay for your first six sessions, but you have to make a phone call. You have to make that phone call. Let us help with that. If you're like, man, I could never do that. I can't tell anybody. I would highly recommend you check out something called Celebrate Recovery. 
Celebrate Recovery. You can Google it. They meet all over Rutherford County. One of the strongest ones uh, is, is on Friday night. It meets at New Vision Baptist Church in Murfreesboro. There's also another really big one that I don't know what night it meets uh, at the Experience Church in Murfreesboro. Celebrate Recovery. I promise you it will be worth your time to begin to find some brothers and sisters in Christ to walk alongside you. We, we want you to find the help you need. Resist pornography. Number five, resist having a bad attitude in your marriage. A good marriage is not a gift. It's something you create. It's something you're willing to work on. And so here's what I would say. If, if God is your number one and your spouse is your number two, what that means is the Holy Spirit of God is going to be working within you and he's going to be guiding you and leading you in your relationship. Well, what does that look like? Here's a sample, Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23. Here's a sample of what it looks like. But this fruit of the Spirit that will be coming out of your life, it looks like this. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Against such things, there's no law. So I'd say to the men in the room, just men, look at the verse. These characteristics, if God is your one and your spouse is your two, these characteristics, your wife should be seeing in you. If you're not there yet, most all of us, there's, there's room for growth. If you're not there yet, here's some ideas. I would ask you to first begin to consider and evaluate the way you communicate with your spouse. Just think about it. Evaluate it. Here's, here's some areas. Consider the tone of your voice. Preaching to myself at this point. I struggle. What? There's a huge smile on her face, and she's talking to Amy about something. I don't know. <laughs> Consider the tone of your voice when you're dialoguing with your spouse. Consider your facial expressions when you're dialoguing with your spouse. <laughs> Consider the times that your response to your spouse is a non-response. I don't really have to say more. And then truth number six, ways to safeguard your marriage. I'm going to encourage you to resist saying no. Well, what do you mean by that? I mean a lot. First of all, let's, let's start with the basics. Let's, let's uh, imagine a wife says something like this to her husband. Honey, would you like to go shopping with me? You see what my face is doing? My non-response just responded. Honey, wife to husband, would you like to help me rearrange the furniture in our bedroom? Real life right now, friends. Real life, like this week in my life. Honey, 
honey, what do you say we paint the bathroom next weekend? All right, let's, let's turn it over. Remember, remember this, number six, resist saying no to your spouse. Husband to wife, husband to wife. Hey, babe, you want to go to, you want to go to Top Golf with me? All the guys are like, yeah. The wife's like, hey, babe. Hey, babe, you want to watch the big game with me this afternoon? And now, drum roll, please. This is the husband saying to the wife, hey, baby. Would you like for me to give you a back rub? And there it is. We all know, if you're married, that for the majority of men, what starts with the offer of a back rub really means fill in the blank. PG-13, trying to keep it level here. Let me just show you what Scripture says about why you need to resist saying no. Not my opinion. Let's see what the Bible says. What a novel idea. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 3 through 5. The whole book is talking about marriage. And so the husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but she yields it to her husband in the same way the husband does not have authority over his own body, but he yields it to his wife. Why? Not to deprive each other, except perhaps every now and then there will be some mutual consent for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then, come together again. Why? So that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Here's what I know. Intimacy in marriage is incredibly important. When you, for those of you in the room, when you got married, I'm guessing if you had premarital counseling, at some point, either in your premarital counseling or in the actual wedding ceremony, the minister probably talked about the two of you becoming one. It's a biblical truth. The two will become one. The two will become one. So hear me. When you get married, you're not just roommates. The two become one. You, you are lovers. So then for those of you, you've been married a while, I want you to think back. Go, go back. And when you, when you were first married, going into your marriage, you knew that marriage meant there was going to be intimacy. You knew that intimacy with your spouse was going to be a part of your marriage. For those of you who are married, would you agree with me? Did you know that was a part of it? <laughs> okay. I really didn't know what kind of a response I'd get there. But you know that that's a part of it. So the idea that five or 10 or 15 years or longer into marriage, 
this idea that you can just remove intimacy out of the marital relationship and then expect everything to still be okay, that, that's just really difficult for that to work. Sexual intimacy within the context of marriage, it is a gift from Almighty God. It is created by God. And it's for those of us who are married. And so again, if this is an area when you begin to look at safeguarding your marriage that you would say, man, this needs some work. What am I going to suggest you do? I suggest you go to Scripture as a husband and wife. And you, as pain, painful as this may be, you have some face-to-face, heartfelt conversations in a spirit of love where you genuinely start to talk about this. Talk about this with your spouse. And you say, hey, how can we begin to take some baby steps towards a healthy love life? I want to share a quote with you to wrap up today. And if our worship team, if you guys would begin to make your way up, that'd be awesome. Uh, there's, a, there's a guy named Paul David Tripp, a brilliant man. He's written a lot about theology and, and especially about marriage. And I want to put this quote on the screen, if you'll look at this with me. He said this, Marriage is meant to teach you how to give, love, serve, forgive, support, encourage, and wait. We forget that God's primary goal is not changing our situations or relationships so that we can be happy, but changing us through our situations and relationships so that we will become holy. Marriage was not created to make us happy. God created it so that we might become holy. Is marriage difficult? Yes. Is it hard? Yes. Is it something, all all of these young people in front, man, is it something that you're going to have to work at every single day of your life? Yes. But in the end, it is so worth it. Is it good every day? No, it's not good every day. There's some days you're on the mountain and there's some days you're in the valley. But isn't that true with all of life? I have a friend who I met years and years ago, the very first year we did Super Summer at Tennessee Tech. And he only helped us that one year. And Lewis is about, I don't know, he's probably about 55. And he lost his wife. His wife passed away just a month or so ago. And I've been watching him just share from the heart. Man, he's been reminded of how much he took his spouse for granted. And how meaningful marriage really is. And how important it is to work on your marriage. And I know very well that here in this room today, the marriages in this room, it's all over the board. It's all over the board. Some are good. Some Some are just struggling. Some of you have been through the pain of divorce. And you're still grappling, just trying to figure out, Lord, what is next? God, how can I rely on you? Lord, would you help me through this difficult season? Some of you have now remarried, new relationships. But our only hope is in Jesus.
Our hope is in Jesus. If you don't know him, I want to encourage you this very day to trust him with all of your heart. Stop leaning on your own understanding, but acknowledge him in everything, and that everything includes your marriage. We want to let you respond today. Maybe you would just say, you know what? Today's the day. Today during the response time, uh, I'm just going to, if you're by your spouse, you're going to lean over and the two of you would pray together, voice of prayer over each other. Maybe you would say, I don't think I want to do that, but I would rather just somebody else pray for me as an individual or for me and my wife as a couple, whatever. Uh, we're going to have some prayer volunteers over here on this wall. They'll be over there just to meet you and to pray with you and to encourage you. Most importantly, navigating all this without a relationship with Jesus Christ is most likely going to turn into a train wreck. If you don't know Christ as Savior and Lord of your life, if you've never asked Him to forgive you of your sin and said, God, make me a new creation, we want you to start there. We want to tell you how that can happen today. And our volunteers will be able to, to meet up with you. So let's stand together, church. Stand with me. I want to pray, and then we'll have a response time. God, uh, we're thankful for the institution of marriage. Lord, we openly confess that, um, Lord, there's so many days that for those of us in this room who are married, man, we fall short. We miss the mark. And there's a great, there's a great deal of room for improvement. We acknowledge that. But at the same time, God, we know that uh, as we're here as a church and as we've been reminded of your truth in Scripture, God, you show us that to guide us, to give us freedom, to give us hope, to give us direction. So God, let us run to you today. Lord, for the people in this room who are here and they've heard this message, who have yet to follow you, God, to say, God, be my Lord, be my Savior. I believe, God, you sent your son Jesus to the cross. He died in my place. He took on the weight of my sin. God, for the people in this room who have never, ever received you, whose life has never been transformed by the gospel, oh God, draw them to yourself even now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, thanks again for listening to the Hope Fellowship Church podcast. If you're interested in becoming more connected at Hope Fellowship Church, please visit hope615.com slash get connected.